Vai tava problēma ir tā, ka es sieviete? Mēs to atrisināsim. Mīrās dāmas un cilvēki. Esiet sveicināti podkāstā starp mums, meitenēm runājot ar Džēmu Sudrabu. Ir vairāk pasākumi, kas mums iet īpaši pie sirds, un viens no tiem ir festivāls komēta. Pagājušajā festivālā mēs ierakstījām četri sarunas, viena no tām ar Lieni Jurgelāni, un to jau mēs esam palaidušas, tas sauc nepareizā skolotāja, viens no mūsu populārākajiem podkāsta ierakstiem, noteikti iesaka noklausīties, ja jūs to vēl neesat izdarījuši, un trīs citus ierakstus, kurus mēs neesam palaidušas, un tagad tos lēnām sāksim publicēt, viena no šīm sarunām ir ar mēnešēžu aktīvisti, jā, mēnešēžu aktīvisti izrādās ir tāda lieta Franku Frai, viņa vadīja meistra darbnīcu, kurā viņa runāja par mēnešēzēm, kā kaut, par kaut ko dabīgu, kas notiek ar sievietu un par to, kā pieņemt mēnešēs un arī par to, kāda ir mēnešēžu pieredze dažādās valstīs, viņa pati ir no Vācijas un bija diezgan šokējuši klausīties tajā, ka arī viņai esot Vācijā nebija nemaz tik viegli veikt pētnīcu darbu par sievietēm un mēnešēzēm. Otra saruna bija ar Britu Šave. Viņa ir psihoterapeita, kura vairāk koncentrēs uz cilvēkiem, kam ir, kas vēlas mainīt dzimumu. Un mēs runājām par to, ar kādām problēmām šie cilvēki saskars un kādā veidā labāk runāt ar cilvēkiem, kas ir nebināri. Un arī trešā saruna mums bija tādā nebinaritātes virzienā. Tā bija ar māksniecu Dani Demilija, Ar viņu mēs runājām par to, ko nozīmē būt nebināram, un patiesībā tieši pateicoties viņai, es sāku drusku citādāk runāt par to, ko nozīmē būt sievietei un par to, kam ir domāts mūsu podkāsts, jo dažreiz vienkārši aizmirstas, ka sievietes var gan izskatīties kā sievietes, gan neizskatīties kā sievietes, un mēs nevienmēr zinām, kurš cilvēks identificē sev kā sievieti un kurš neidentificē sev kā sievieti. Un pēc tās sarunas mēs mēģinājām izmainīt arī valodu, kādā runājam, nu ko mēs, es mēģināju izmainīt valodu, kādā es runāju ar cilvēkiem, kas varbūt neiedarās tajā dzimuma binaritātē. So, ok, we are continuing with the, with the recording still in Komaita Festival, it's a Sunday, and I'm really happy that we can talk about periods, because uh, this, is, uh, this is one theme that we have actually in our podcast slightly covered, and it's actually connected to that uh, painting over there. It's, uh, this one is done by, uh, also by Ingrid Pitchkan, who is an artist who has actually done kind of art about women and menstruation, which uh, created a lot of discussion about like what is art and what isn't, and uh, which themes should be covered in art, and what was really clear that women's menstruations should not be covered in art at all. Uh, and people were very insulted, and, and I think so. So I think it's really cool that we can have a conversation about uh, periods, and Ingrid's uh, painting is, is, is here. And so, yeah, so we are having a conversation with Franka Frey. Um, you just, like an hour ago, had uh, a lecture about periods, and it was a fantastic. Oh, thank you very much. Fantastic lecture, and, uh, and I think we have to start with, uh, with talking about moon cups. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's one of my favorite <laughs> topics, actually. Yes, mine as well. So it has changed my life. It really has changed my life, and I'm like, whenever I have an opportunity to talk about this, and, and we have, uh, me and my partner, we have kind of uh, a, a lot of moon cups at home, and so whenever someone has a birthday, we just give it as a gift. Oh. 
so we have schemes. <laughs> uh, we're just you know share, sharing this knowledge, and it has like for me, it's what what seems unbelievable is that you know I am 37 years old, and I just learned about mooncups two years ago. And that's funny enough because they they've been existing for a very long time. They were actually invented in 19. 37, which is a coincidence with your age, but it's actually quite some time and we like almost never heard about it. I also only learned about it two years ago, three years ago, and it also has changed my life, yeah. Uh, what is the reason? How do you think? Why, why isn't it as popular? Is it like the well, consumerism or shame? What is the reason? Because it, it used to be popular and now we have like so many different random pro products and yeah. Um, so I think um, the reason why uh, the moon cups or menstrual cups are less popular than tampons and pads, for example, there are, there are more than one reason. So first of all, um, we can say that inserting something into your vagina for a lot of people is quite uncomfortable. There are people who, are, who say that they feel pain, that they just feel uncomfortable to touch themselves. Uh, themselves. And uh, in comparison to a tampon, for example, with a menstrual cup, you get in touch with your blood a little bit more, which is a really interesting experience because you also see how much blood you ex actually lose, which is not as much as you might think. No, yeah. yes, so it's, it's shocking. Exactly, it gives you the opportunity to find out about your body, like really, like this is, this is what comes outside of me and you can, you can see the color and actually it's not it's not disgusting and it doesn't smell this is also like something an experience that i made like i always thought pure blood was disgusting because it smells but pure blood itself doesn't smell like blood doesn't smell it's uh, the plastic and the organic like reaction the chemical reaction that happens when it gets in touch uh, with oxygen and the plastic materials this is when it starts to make it make maybe have a little bit of a like un and like comfortable smell or something. Um, but yeah, I think this is the reason, uh, one of the reasons why it was um, less popular, became less popular. And then also in terms of uh, like speaking from a marketing point of view, I think it was quite difficult to market this product because different to tampons, you have to know a little bit how to use it. Mm. And then menstruation is surrounded by taboo, so you couldn't really tell clearly people how to use it like you have to fold it and it will pop up inside and you cannot use such clear words so I think it was a little bit difficult to market that and then the third reason is actually a very good one um, when you have a menstrual cup you are satisfied for around 10 years so that means people like happy customers wouldn't go buy the product again and again and again and again mm. so quickly so like the market regulated menstrual products being less of a financial yeah being being less profitable to produce because you yeah you buy one and then you're good for so long whereas tampons and pads and disposables they create a bigger like demand because of course you need them all the time mm. so yeah like uh, different reasons for for that um, i was really shocked to learn there was this article uh, uh, it was titled why do you think tampons has an applicator and I thought, well, that's very interesting. I should read that. And apparently, uh, the Catholic Church uh, uh, was objecting uh, towards women touching their intimate parts with a tampon. So the way how they could introduce tampons into the market was to create an applicator which would guarantee that women are not touching themselves. Yeah. 
And I thought, oh my God, this is just such an insane story yeah. about also policing of women's bodies. Exactly. That's actually a very interesting story, how it was all invented. The first tampon was actually invented together with an applicator. So it was invented by an American uh, doctor. And he actually also said, like, yeah, I invented something that you can use without touching yourself. And it's so practical. And he also <laughs> invented this applicator. It's, it's crazy. It only exists for women not touch, getting in touch with their vagina. This is the only reason, and it produces a lot of trash. It's, it's really crazy. What you said about women touching themselves and also the Catholic Church and all different religions plays a very, very big role also in marketing a product. When the tampon was introduced to the market in Europe, a lot of people, um, they, they mentioned um, worries that a woman could be like more likely to masturbate or she could be like feel welcome to masturbate or that she could like also this idea of female pleasure is really confusing um, that when a woman inserts a tampon like she could have like pleasure from that and this is why it was like the the church would say like no we cannot support those products because we are like against those ideas also like the hymen Mm. Many people mm. think that the hymen will break if they use a tampon, which is not true. And then like, behind that, there's the question: and then the hymen, why, like, how does the hymen yeah. look like? And why do you why do you need it? Yeah. Why, what is it for? Just to show your sexual purity. And the the hymen is a big myth itself, really. Like yeah. every person who has one or like who's born female, so to say, um, has a different type of hymen. It's not like something that closes your vagina the way we think. It can look so different. And even people who have had sex might have an intact hymen and some other people might be born without one. So really like it's so dangerous categorizing people just from their existence of a hymen and the tampon doesn't do anything to it, by the way. Yeah, yeah and uh, well, uh, so when we were, you were saying that there was this fear that women will start masturbating when they, when they insert their tampons, in a way it's ridiculous, but then in a way maybe it isn't really, because when women kind of feel the freedom to touch themselves and don't feel shame to do that, Probably they're gonna masturbate more, I think. And that's healthy. So this <laughs> highly is highly recommended. So there. <laughs> so so the reasoning behind not having tampons or maybe wasn't as ridiculous as it, as it seems. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have to say, like for me personally, like having this product, I did not ever combine a tampon with like sexual like interpretation. If some people do that, that's completely fine. But I think it was just like really like showing how ridiculous it is that female pleasure has been has been such a myth itself and so like ignored and been always combined with bad negative like negative at like um, yeah characteristics mm. like especially like now when you talk about the church uh like in combination with the devil or something or the sin and it's so healthy actually also medically speaking to masturbate and to find out about yourself I find it interesting that the especially tampon industry, they always claim that they liberate women. Um, but this makes yeah. makes it sound like they liberate them from, from having a period or from having an obvious period from being menstrual beings and that portrays menstruation as a defect actually. And having the same industry producing something like a applicator so they wouldn't be 
have to touch themselves is actually the opposite of liberation, right? Because this is a part of your body, your vagina, that belongs to you, that, that is very important for you, not only in order to give birth or to give, to give, sorry, to give pleasure to a, to, to a partner, but this is also your body. And it's not only the vagina, it's also the vulva. Like there's, there's a like big, 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 big thing behind it. And it's all surrounded by this taboo that forbids us to talk about it. Yeah. So, and so when you started doing research in Germany, you realized that there's a lot of taboo also within your university, right? Yeah. Can you tell a bit about that? It was pretty, yeah, intense. I, I wanted to do research about this taboo and find out why menstruation is such taboo and how um, media is contributing to it and how social media has a power to uh, change the society and also in terms of taboos. Uh, but then nobody wanted to be my supervisor and most of the potential professors who could, be, could have been my supervisor at my university were male anyway. And menstruation is seen like a, a female issue, something that men, like when they, when, they, when they hear somebody talking about periods, that might be likely to go away because they have learned this is something that I shouldn't be knowing about. It's something that has been hidden from them and they don't feel affected by it. And, and my aim was to prove it affects everyone. So I also, of course, I asked the male professors too, I mean, really, like, what's, what's the problem? Like, why do you have to menstruate in order to be talking about menstruation from a scientific point of view? And so nobody wanted to be my supervisor. The few women who were there, it was only two women. In, in this list out of 30 people. And they both said they don't have time, they don't have capacity. Um, and I, in my, like, really, I was getting nervous. The deadline was coming closer. And so I decided to write an email to the coordinator who was supposed to be helping in such moments, right? And this coordinator, first she said she didn't see a research gap. She didn't see a scientific approach. She doesn't see a concept, really. And I really worked hard to make clear, yes, I'm having a scientific approach. There is a research gap, and there's a lot to fill in this research gap from very different perspectives. And uh, then she just said, like, well, I don't think you should do this because menstruation is a taboo. Mm. It's sort of a taboo topic. This is like what she said, like literally in this email. <laughs> and after that, I realized like how deep it deeply, um, yeah, entrenched it is and how, how, how deep it sits in the core of society, in every corner of society, in parliaments, in um, yeah, in universities and schools, teachers, everybody, parents, like we all grow up with it and it's uh, all like um, communicated indirectly to us to not talk about it. And uh, I really fought hard to find a supervisor. In the end, I could um, convince one of the female professors and yeah, she, she was all right doing it, but she also said like, ah, I, I want to learn more about taboos in general and stuff. So I had to compromise a little bit, but in the end, I could write it and I found out so much also for myself. I found out a lot that I would have not thought about like every day as a menstrual activist you find out about the like the deep the, the depth of this fear that I'm that I entered by talking about periods. But you are also very passionate about it and you recently, you know, finished finalized writing about it. And you, you said this, uh, so two things I have learned from you today is one is menstrual being. I think, I, I hope I'll remember that. And the other one is menstrual activist. And I was just wondering uh, if when you go to a party, everyone's like, oh my God, it's getting started. She's gonna talk about periods again. 
Yes. <laughs> the crazy so, period lady. Oh my yes. god, yeah, yeah, I have to I have to admit, yeah, my family and my friends, <laughs> sorry to everyone that I talk about menstruation all the time. <laughs> no, but I can also laugh about it like really. Um funnily, yeah, that so you said you said menstrual activist, like it's the first time you heard that. Um, and for me as well, like a lot of people, when they ask me on parties, like, what do you do? And I say, well, should I really come up with it? Sometimes I'm just like, well, I, I, like I study something and then I go away because it's too much of a hustle to explain. But no, most of the time, like as an activist, you also have this, of course, this will to explain stuff. Uh, most of the time I, I talk about it and then um, often, very often people are very surprised and yeah, there's a lot of menstrual activism going on. Actually, um, it's a very, it's a growing wave. It's part of the, the newest, latest wave of feminism and it's all gender inclusive. So coming to the next uh, point, this is one of the, yeah, the things that I, that I think are important to highlight that um, not all menstruators are women and not all women menstruate. So um, seeing like categorizing people into men and women historically speaking has caused a lot of damage and mm. um, we have to overcome it because there are, there's more than two sex and more than two genders for sure and yeah also recognize that there are for example uh, trans men that menstruate and for them um, in particular menstruation that is like the so-called sign of being a woman or like burden of being a woman even uh, might be even more difficult in a society that doesn't or that doesn't accept menstruation and it also has a problem uh, with not fitting in this yeah very like narrow um, path of being either female or male so yeah that's very that's very interesting to talk about it it's very important to talk about it and yeah I always want to underline that as well yeah and uh, well periods is something that you know we even are uh, well, it's a, the taboo thing from one point, and then it's 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 a way how women can be attacked if uh, if they emotionally don't um, 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 don't act women-like or some I, yeah. like you know what I'm yeah. talking about. If they're too emotional or too bitchy or you just don't like her, she probably is on her period. Yeah, yeah, and that's very dangerous because this will like yeah take or keep women outside of very um, high positions um, of of like higher like positions in politics for example even when in the US in 2015 um, Hillary Clinton um, was campaigning for being uh, the first female president in a public American morning newspaper she was questioned and somebody asked like, what if that time of the month comes mm -hmm. like what is going to happen she's going to go crazy and like yeah. blow a bomb not like away. Trump. and not like he Trump like he is so aesthetic <laughs> yeah like it's really crazy and not only that a woman like Hillary Clinton and back then she was almost 70 yeah exactly probably <laughs> not menstruating anymore <laughs> but uh, like even that like after that after that there was actually science done to prove if uh, the period has uh, if the period influences your political like yeah political view or and it was proven to be wrong of course it's sad that those the science has to be done but yeah it's it, it's been instrumentalized to say ah uh, women they are like so full of emotions and their hormones and to under undermine their um, expertise as well so I think it's very 
um, yeah, it's very dangerous to claim such a thing. And at the same time, if you have, if you feel like your menstrual cycle is changing you, you should also be okay with that and try to listen to your body because your body communicates with you. That doesn't mean that all menstruating women or before that period, uh, they become monsters. That just means that the menstrual cycle exists and it exists in different phases. It's not only about bleeding or not bleeding. It's uh, the menstrual cycle is like a, yeah, like it's, it's a cycle and it's, uh, it's, it's important to acknowledge the other phases too. Well, and I mean, I think my conclusion overall is that, you know, humans overall are very emotional and unstable. And it does, well, there's cycles and then there's just, you know, maybe it's not connected to a cycle, but something else. It's just, they are just unpredictable and it would be so easy if we could, well, for example, I, I can kind of see some things that are connected uh, with my cycle. For example, yesterday we uh, missed a taxi and then my phone died. Mm -hmm. So we had to pay 15 euros to get home, uh, which was like a double price. And I had a meltdown. I had a meltdown. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to kill myself. Oh. And that probably was connected to my cycle. Okay. Uh, but but like when, when kind of you are kind of aware of this, I still feel kind of, ashamed that you know uh, my my cycle is sometimes controlling my emotions I would want it not to be like that but unfortunately I, I'm not really sure if it can it can be done although uh, I will continue that uh, so in March we did uh, this uh, this festival for uh, for for women and men it was called lady fest and uh, and we invited the uh, gynecologist for a discussion and we were talking about uh, periods and uh, we were talking about also moon cups and she said moon cups are awesome but like why do you have to be on a period maybe you don't have to uh, and so her theory was that you just have to be on the pill all the time until you want to be pregnant mm -hmm. so you don't really have to experience periods at all and for me, actually, it was the second like stroke that I got uh, in my after I, you know after my 30s. That first one was the moon cup, and the second one that actually I don't have to be on on the period all the time. Yeah, that's true. You can like as as there's a lot to say about this. Um, first of all, yeah, uh, when you are taking hormonal contraception, you are not having a menstrual cycle, thus not having uh, menstruation. So what happens is when you take the pill, it's and then you have those placebo uh, pills for some time. Um, what happens is a withdrawal of uh, hormones and this will cause a bleeding that doesn't have mm. anything to do with menstruation. Your entire menstrual cycle gets suppressed when you're on this artificial hormones. And this has uh, a lot of side effects for a lot of people. I can talk out like from my own pers perspective, from my own experience, uh, like there are a lot of side effects that hormonal birth control can have that uh, like really change your behavior. Uh, like some people get depressed, some people feel very tired, some people lose their libido, which makes a lot of sense because you don't have those hormones that cause a high libido anymore. Um, and like the crazy things happen, like people will like, have a different kind of smelling, like, mm -hmm. and smelling is so in important from us, for us also to um, like find the right partner. So women on hormonal birth control are very likely to choose the wrong partner because their smelling is influenced by those synthetic hormones. I find it cr kind of crazy actually that it's it's been such a normal thing that a perfectly 
healthy, fine human being takes a pill every day that shuts down a perfectly natural and healthy uh, body function. So um, I think it's not like you can you can choose yes if you're fine with hormonal birth control if you don't have side effects or if you can live with it you can also you should know that you have the decision to have this fake bleed or not maybe it makes you feel better it's a fake bleed it doesn't do anything for it like for you mm. um or not and i think there's also this other thing um like when you have like a natural methods to track your cycle and find out about when you're fertile and if you know your body really well this can be very very secure too and you don't have to use any hormonal contraceptives also there are non-hormonal um, yeah tools that you can use in order to not get pregnant um, but again i think it's very important to find out more about our bodies find out what medical medical uh, like pills will do to us and also what is behind it, and that's a big market. Like in Germany, uh, women between like 15 and 24 um, are very, very likely to just get the pill from the gynecologist, even if, they, if it's not only about being pregnant, it's about getting better skin or getting your period regulated, which is bullshit. Or, yeah, apparently yeah. you really don't need, pe well, they can be irregular. It well, it's, it's okay to have an irregular period, which I also, learned only recently yeah the your menstrual cycle reflects on everything you do in life really it's with you it can be your it's omnipresent it's always there with you unless you take the pill of course <laughs> so for me for example when I'm very stressed or when I'm traveling I uh, have irregular periods so or when I change my diet for example a lot of people lose their period when they stop eating carbs for example um, so yeah the, your menstrual cycle is a very um, intelligent body function that will reflect on you and, and it's a tool to also tell if your body is like mm -hmm. right now w how it could in be sync. like more in its sync yeah. exactly so did you think of a of a about the thing that you can where you fucked up recently how you thought about that yeah actually uh i'm a bit ashamed of that but i think that's also part of a question right <laughs> um so recently <laughs> yeah recently um i did a trip through south asia and i was really really excited to do this trip and i booked a bunch of flights in advance in order to be going from one to b and make sure like i would fly like from the south of india to the north and then once i was there i realized that i enjoy much more hitchhiking mm. and that i also like i didn't want to be so fixed with this flights like to have a fixed schedule about my flights and to just really free myself and yeah that was a lot of money that i spent on cheap flights that still went off without me it's very bad for my own wallet it's bad for my country it's bad for the environment um yeah but in the end i had a great time hitchhiking and like I, the only thing i fucked up was that i was so impatient and i was really like so yeah full of um joy and like like really happy to go on this trip that i wanted to book those flights and in the end uh, they were not necessary <laughs> yeah yeah, thank you for that. Um, so, and at the end of your lecture, you said, what did you say? Raise? Raise your cups. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because the cups are being uh, 
yeah like more known nowadays and I know like even like when I started as a menstrual activist a couple of like actually it was like now a bit more than a year ago I uh, came across a lot of people that they didn't know about the menstrual cup and nowadays I feel like especially in the environment like here a lot of people are actually aware so that's a good sign like a small step towards the right direction that we get aware of alternatives to uh, disposable products and also like yeah find out more about ourselves find out how much like like this blood can tell us about our, our body and having the opportunity to do so with the menstrual cup yeah so um i think that's a baby step but it's a good step and uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that it will go on like this and that more awareness will be yeah will be happening so, but do you think if we post our cups on Facebook, will it ban them? Oh no, I don't think so. Actually, the cup itself—it's silicon. Why would they? Why would they ban it? Um, actually, what can happen is when you uh, post post a picture of yourself with a stain or so on your on your trousers. This has happened to a lot of people. Um, also, activists who said like, I don't understand why Instagram is like full of naked girls sometimes underage and this is fine and completely accepted uh, in society and then when I have a little stain on my trousers and I'm fully dressed this People would get triggered removed. yeah actually that happened to a, an Instagrammer and she 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 didn't give up she she sent a long open letter to Instagram and then Instagram deleted her picture again and but then finally they said sorry and um, that now she's also like a big face in menstrual activism too. So, and also the, a similar thing has happened to me actually. I was writing a blog post about um, young girls and their experience of their first period and how this can influence their entire life. And also it was removed from Facebook because they said it was uh, yeah, against the guidelines or something. Yeah. And I posted it again and then they also said, oh yeah, we, we made a mistake or something. But it was really like super, it was about periods and young women and menarche and there was periods don't have to do anything with sex like no. or with pornography like when like how how do you even get this idea and there are these groups uh, which are um, uh, so a, a friend of mine recently you know, started to be interested in this natural uh, how is it called that um, cycle monitoring yeah, system yeah, yeah. so there are these facebook groups which are de dedicated to that yeah. And women who are trying to get pregnant, they are monitoring uh, the, um, 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 the ovulation. Like no, no the, the thing that comes out of your vagina. The, uh, the cervical mucus. Yes, yeah. cervical, mu cervical yeah. mucus. Yeah, yeah, and they're posting pictures yeah. of cervical mucus okay. or even small videos yeah. where they're saying, oh, well, it, it's, it's more or less sticky. What do you think, girls? Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, girls yeah. are posting their pictures or just what they're saying, what, yeah. what they're thinking. And, and so. At first, when I saw this, I thought, okay, this is super gross. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. too much info about <laughs> someone's cervix. I don't really not yeah. need this information. But then apparently, it's being blocked on Facebook, even in closed groups, because mm -hmm. people think that it's also connected to sex. Yeah. Although, it's not. Well, it's, it's a body liquid that can be, like, again, read like, mm. like an alphabet. It shows you if you're fertile or not uh, in combination with your body temperature. So it's, it gives a pretty good information about your, your status in the, in the menstrual cycle. So I think it's a science itself. And also it's really, if you go back at this thought, like we, we have to, we can know about when we are fertile. This is so much power, like 
really think of it like we only all exist mm. because of our reproductive organs and when women can get like especially women now get this chance back to take control back of their bodies i think that's a that's a really really big thing like and it's yeah again not against the pill or anything but this is a big market and this is like a lot of money that we spend we as as women i say like most of the time and not only with money we we have to think about taking the pill every day it's stress and and also our bodies like all the side effects so if you can go back to nature and take the control over it and if you're able to read your body really that it becomes your best friend and you have a great partnership with it and communicates with you and you can read it i think that's that's a great achievement yeah, yeah for for your personal uh, being and also for yeah for 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 the entire movement yeah well I personally think that uh, men should take hormonal pills to be honest it's just that you know for for the uh, I don't know like two thousand of ye years women have taken this responsibility I think we have to distribute it to yeah. men and then we just you know we just hang out hang around and uh, have fun yeah actually th <laughs> there was this uh, pill for the man yeah. introduced and it had so many side effects so they like took depression they, they, yeah they didn't so introduce horrible. it uh, to like you couldn't buy it although it exists because they like those side effects like depression or even feeling tired or having mm. pain or loss mm. of libido we've been there we That's know what so you're horrible. talking about they were too much to carry they said yeah. and, and so the thing is like they want to um, develop something that is better than mm. the than this this pill that we have right now and therefore they said nah so this this pill is not really necessary but it would help a lot of people who cannot go on hormonal uh, birth control because they cannot live with that like i said like m my personal experience i was on hormonal birth control and i was just really so 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 sad all the time i couldn't enjoy my life anymore and why would i let somebody destroy my life just in order so i can have sex without a condom hmm. like then I don't want to have sex anymore I was just crying <laughs> like what is the point of it really and um, also like there, there are other like like there are other things like the kappa spiral for example mm. but you like this works without hormones and you will get it inserted but for a lot of people that doesn't work their, their, their uterus can be too small or it doesn't like really um, stick with it and you will be flushed out or something and so for a lot of people it's just uh, like the story of contraceptives is a story of frustration mm. so I think it's just mm. important to get a little bit more space in there to do more research what is possible uh, if it's natural like fertility awareness or if it's something that goes away from the responsibility of women and kind of gets into like a more yeah like more shared thing like it yeah. would be nice if this was not only women's responsibility and also there's this uh, history of, of how the hormonal um, uh, pills were introduced uh, at first they were tested they were tested in America on, on whom I wonder where they tested they were tested on Latino and black women mm. without telling them yeah. Uh, because uh, the idea was that you know they shouldn't get more babies because you know they're from the bottom of the society yeah. and when when I learned about this kind of horrifying intrusive thing that has yeah. been done to women yeah. to introduce these pills it's just mm -hmm. makes me feel really uncomfortable yeah it's it's actually pretty crazy that we are having something inside us that makes us yeah not ourselves anymore and we just do that for like really in the end like I, I would like to invite everyone to question like why do you do it like and what are the alternatives
Yeah. Okay, thank you. I need. I know you have to go, and I already stole at least ten minutes from your life <laughs> more okay. than we planned. It is so interesting to talk to you. Thank you for you know, like what you are doing, and as you said, the raise. Uh, let's raise our cups, but not now. Because yeah. We have them inside of us. Please keep them there. <laughs> but uh, but really, thank you for doing this, and, and thank you, Liana, for 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 having her here. Yeah, thank for you. Comment. Thank you. I will, uh, really also cool. say thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. And yeah, I'm. I'm really happy that like, this is not going to be the last day of my activism. <laughs> it, it was a very nice day. Thank you very much for like this beautiful festival and this nice spirit that is like around here. Really Vai tev ir tāda sajūta, ka tas tikai ņēmis un grābis un lietojis un domājis un tad tagad es kļūst daudz krutāk, pilnīgi tā kā kaut super sievieti un varēsi tagad doties pasaulē un darīt lietas. Vai pirms darīt lietas, tu domā, kā lai es atmaksāju šim brīnišķīgajam podkāstam par savējo iedvesmu? Nu, un mūsu atbildi ir tas, ka tas ir samērā viegli. Tu dodies uz patreon.com un kļūsti par mūsu atbalstītāju. Enter. Tagad tu līdi pat.